Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Brecker, and welcome to this edition of Matters of Principal. This twice-monthly series is designed for school principals to help support them in this very exciting and very challenging role in education. I'm a retired school principal, as is my co-host, Jack Barkley. A big welcome, Jack, and I'm really looking forward to today's discussion on some more key issues for school administrators. Thanks, Jamie. We've spent the last few podcasts discussing different aspects of the school plan from collaboratively creating a vision to making it a workable plan to effectively monitoring the implementation of the plan. Well, as you know, Jack, I mean, this really important monitoring, it it naturally triggers and it really should trigger ongoing modifying and tweaking of this plan. And I think this tweaking and kind of changing of parts of the plan to me, they really come to the forefront when the data clearly shows that the expected or more importantly, I guess, desired results are just not happening. Well, right. And, and there's another significant variable there too, Jamie, in the relative success of school plans. And, and that, of course, centers around the degree of staff buy-in to the plan. Let's face it, all staff members are clearly not alike. And, and some are hesitant to get on board with the overall plan or certain initiatives within it. They deserve, I think from our perspective as school leaders, to be heard, have their views and concerns respected and valued. And as I think about it, there's a range of reasons uh, over our times in schools to explain reluctance to buy into the plan. And I think of three things really. I think first of all, there's people who are just generally averse to change and even more so now during a pandemic. Well, you think of how their personal lives have been under such upheaval the past couple of years. You're so right, Jack, that right now it's like, holy Toledo, the last thing I want is any more change. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that's the first one you keep, you keep front and center in your mind. The second one is along the same lines, they're feeling overwhelmed. Um, you know, there's mental health issues, things going on in their lives. Um, Again, I don't want to, you know, connect everything to COVID, but especially with all of the issues going on right now in the news around COVID and the, and the lingering effects of it. And, and lastly, I just feel from my lens looking at staff, I got that sense that some were just not confident in their own skill set. They just didn't see themselves themselves as successful or part of that bigger picture of the school plan. You raise an excellent point about the confidence issue. And I think a big part of that too is when I when I think of staff members who may have recently had a very significant uh, change in grade assignment. You've taught grade seven for 10 years and all of a sudden you're teaching grade two or of course vice versa. So for some of them, uh, they may have the innate skills or whatever, but they simply need more professional development and support and clarity with regards to their new assignment to help them feel both more confident and competent. And also though, I think another big issue, Jack, is frankly, staff in many cases just don't feel as valued and respected and heard as we really need them to feel. And some of that may be frankly residue from their connection or lack thereof with previous administration. And I think it's important to remember that as we've talked many times, you're you're coming into a school, of course, unless it's a brand new school, you're coming into a school with a history and you have to really be aware of that in all respects, including 
how present staff may or may not have uh, connected professionally with, once again, the previous principal. And that's where it goes back to, we've talked about many, many times the importance of principals making and being committed to make those social deposits with each staff member. And of course, as we've also mentioned, those connections with different staff members are going to be a bit different. There, there's no doubt about it. But they need to see that effort from the principal because at some point there are going to be professional withdrawals. And as we always say, if there are no deposits, then the withdrawals put the kind of the relationship in, in you know, kind of a, a debt position, so to speak. And that, of course, is just not healthy for anyone moving forward. Right. And, and to your point, Jamie, I, I always, I think where I would make a mistake in the early days, I would think that, you know, you make those deposits to a point, but it's an ongoing working at making deposits Excellent you know, point. and and so on so yeah just to, just to your point there you know we've also talked uh, a ton about valuing the compliments and that's with an e on your staff or those opposite staff members or opposing ideas uh, from the surface differing thoughts and perspectives really will enrich that school plan and to me that leader or your leaders help harness that and and in doing all of that respecting the compliments working with them it typically makes it a it's it takes time and and unless you're willing as a leader to put in that time and be patient with it uh it won't be successful and you have to keep in mind that that destination uh or your final end result is more than worth that well as we always say it you're when it comes to a school plan you're certainly running a marathon not a sprint no question about that and to make the plan sustainable and really also to frankly have a positive sustainable school culture to me it's really all about making sure that as administrators we're acknowledging and rewarding passionate commitment and not simply hoping for passive compliance yeah and i really there's a difference between those two uh, jamie for sure and and again that leader can see that and you and you really want that commitment out of people so you know, the principal's understanding of all of the different people on his or her staff, it really helps. That understanding helps ensure a degree of buy-in, I guess we, we say, and, and ultimately each person's commitment to the plan. And, and to me, the key really is to be open-minded with all staff. Every day is a new start with them, as, as we say with kids, you know, in the school. Continue to seek to learn about each one. It's an ongoing process and value those compliments and differences among your staff members. You raise an excellent point. It's not just recognizing the compliments, but truly valuing them. Right, right. So this this moves us into the first part of uh, that we want to talk about today around attitude and approach. And that really, you know, that idea of routinely engaging all staff really falls on the shoulders of, of the leadership team. You know, you, you don't want to... Uh, ignore or avoid people who aren't immediately buying in or who, who you perceive might be disagreeing with you on the way, but rather make a point of seeking them out and hearing them out. Well, as I've mentioned to you many times over the years, Jack, I had such a profound memory of when I was uh, a teacher in, uh, in the classroom. And I worked at a school where if you had a professional disagreement with the administrator, uh, that she clearly didn't like or quote value, then there's absolutely no doubt about it. For the next week or so, you were just invisible in her eyes. 
So if you walk down the hallway a couple of days after a staff meeting or whatever, and you weren't, hadn't been, in her opinion, buying in at the meeting, you should just walk right by it like you were just completely invisible and totally ignored. And I'll just never forget that. That clearly was 180 degrees from what should have been done from that school principal. It's important to, to really, once again, to understand the reason for people's positioning. And once again, to not just consider them invisible. Because we, we've both learned, Jack, that ultimately some of your strongest kind of initial opposition, so to speak, they may very well ultimately become your strongest advocates and, and really key contributors in helping everyone in your staff move forward. And it's all about the principal's job is to ignite staff, not ignore staff. And that, of course, to me means build and recognize and really develop people's strengths, which may, of course, ultimately lead these people to uh, future leadership opportunities. Yeah, I like that in that, that Jamie, the passion of some staff <clears throat> maybe in not buying in or, or resisting even if that can be turned around and harnessed the right way it can lead to great things you know sort of thing so there's it's good to see passion there in some sense i mean conversations are so much more productive if if those social deposits as we say and those connections have been established but yet you still have to work at them and and as you've said before and we we know this we've lived this as that leader this doesn't mean personal friendships on staff, but professional acquaintances. And that's that's a key piece for that leader, the leader to remember too. You are so right though, Jack, about the notion of the passion. And as a leader, above and beyond all else, we want to see that passion in our staff rather than, than kind of indifference. And if it's a question of having passionate disagreements, well, that's great. That's a great starting point because now we can kind of over time funnel that passion into a much more common vision or common plan. And as a leader, you want to expect, welcome, encourage, and frankly respond to people in a, in a timely manner to all of their different queries and questions. And let's face it, sometimes to their criticism. Because I've really tried to convey and stress to my vice principals over the years when we were having kind of a private chat after school that when staff openly disagree with things and freely share their concerns to me that in fact is the a strong indication of a really strong open transparent school culture and it really speaks volumes that staff are comfortable openly sharing those kind of concerns with admin rather than walking around all day with kind of that plastered smile on their face and you know taking their frustration out on the way home or whatever so i want that open dialogue even though we don't always agree right and jamie i think that open dialogue and that uh that difference and sort of hashing that out in a professional way leads to that um you know that that passionate um, action by teachers rather than just being passive so if they if you feel you know I can speak my mind to the leader that that goes a long way in in building things with with staff and and creating that buy-in I think to and I alluded to it in in earlier why people are hesitant to buy in sometimes but recognize that some staff members they're going to have significant issues outside of work we all do. I know we have to get the job done, but I think keeping in mind that there are those things going on in people's lives that are going to impact their willingness to commit to an initiative in a given moment. And again, 
this is certainly more enhanced this fall and winter uh, with kids now back to school and in school, but with COVID still hanging on. No question. We, like, as we all well know, COVID is still very much in the forefront of things. And I think, which makes it even more important for principals to really actively listen to staff in a really a non-judgmental way. And, you know, Jack, I really look at it as a, as a school leader, we have to really always keep in mind, it's not a zero sum game. It's not a question of, ooh, I won, I got my point across, et cetera, et cetera. Because the bottom line is there's, there's no victory is if, excuse me, as a leader, you're really trying to force a staff member's square peg into kind of your round hole. Like that, that just accomplishes, you know, nothing of a positive note. And then, of course, we've heard and read for years and years about these range of kind of uh, principal-generated conversations with staff. Early in our careers, these were called critical conversations. But of course, it meant that they were important. But of course, we all know that critical also has a very negative connotation. And then years later, they became courageous. Well, frankly, to me, there's nothing courageous about, quote, doing your job. So I, I've always considered those conversations really to be more creative and constructive because how do we work with staff, have open dialogue with staff, to ultimately get people to truly, genuinely want to do it? Right, and, and Jamie, that you're, what you're describing there is the art to me of leadership in the roles that we were in is is getting people to want to do something, and and they you know and they they. They, they may not have necessarily wanted to in the past, but they're doing it. They're happy to do it and uh, and that they're doing the work and not even realizing, you know, that it that it's work. So that that's kind of the art of, of what we're talking about. And I re- like what you said, too, you know, when we talk about the zero sum game, you, 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 de- you know, you deal with deadlines. We have deadlines in in a school and in, in our roles for sure, but not ultimatums to staff. You know, like it, it, when you start doing that, to me, I think your trust that you work so hard to achieve and build is shot when you when you do that because they you know ultimatums mean that you're you're not really having their back well would you not agree jack that it takes weeks and months and months and months to truly build trust oh. but boy you can destroy it in seconds yes absolutely you you, you can and, and that you always have to remember that and now jamie the truth is that you know we, we've talked about moving staff and hearing them out that once initiatives take direction and people you start to move with your plan um moment I, I think there's a certain amount of momentum that's created that will ultimately move your staff along the chosen path and even the less committed will move along with the team maybe not quite as much but they'll start to move and and i've found that before so you, it's it's once you get it going uh it, it does tend to move people along the way now Jamie, this brings us to the second point, and 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 you and I love to talk in metaphors about uh, the school experience and so on. But I think there's a couple of powerful metaphors that we'll touch on for for staff empowerment and accountability. And and uh, you brought up to me the, the picture frame metaphor, and I really like that that metaphor because it's a it's a it's a it deals with common and uh, transparent expectations for all teachers, but 
within boundaries or within the frame of, of that picture. So that's that's where that analogy comes in. It's it's really very similar to how teachers work with their students. You have to give them a little bit of rope, but within a structure uh, like a picture frame. Oh, absolutely, Jack. To me, it parallels a classroom dynamic with the teacher very closely. It's all about clear and common overall expectations uh, for all staff and related timelines that apply to all teachers. Uh, but, but by the same token, as principals, we're, we're open that there's going to be some kind of, nah, I don't really like the word exceptions, but like really accommodations for given staff as required. And it's really a fine line about I would say balancing both large group accountability and individual accountability. That's right. And, and, and that so best describes the frame. And then we, we talk about working on that canvas within the frame where staff have that leeway to use the brush and, and work on the canvas. And they have each have their own brush. They each have their own brush to work within the frame on the canvas. And as leaders, I always felt it. I always felt great about my leader when you knew you had the framework and they let you go to work on that and they would they would trust you to to do that so as a leader we need to respect this and not take the roller over their work and and uh, and make a mess of it so in other words it's fairness and sameness fairness versus sameness also applies to staff in this picture frame analogy so you know there's a management for all, there are, like you say, rigid things that, you know, the frame, we have to work within a, a boundary, we have deadlines and so on and that, but there's leadership for one, where there's flexibility depending on who that person is in your staff. And, and finding that balance between the two will ultimately empower your staff and create that momentum towards a, a goal you want to achieve. I love that word momentum, because then of course, it's just self-perpetuating. And another powerful uh, metaphor for this topic I found, Jack, is really what I call a canoe. And it's kind of related to the whole kind of uh, paddling analogy, where obviously the wider the paddle, the more water we're gonna move, and therefore the faster the canoe is gonna go. So looking at it within the school plan, over the course of the 10 months, there's an awful lot of different kind of sub-initiatives that come together to make this plan. And depending on the initiative, certain staff members are going to have, quote, wider paddles, metaphorically, because, of course, they've got more skills and experience in this specific area. But what I found really neat was the staff with the wider paddles for a given initiative, they assume kind of more of a leadership role, and they help the other staff widen their paddles over time. But it was so interdependent because on other initiatives, different staff had wider paddles, and they helped grow and widen the paddles of other staff, depending once again on the certain initiative. So this really was the kind of what I looked at as the epitome of once again, these complementary, but it was truly was the epitome of complementary leadership opportunities across the staff. Right, Jane, within this metaphor, I think that one big constant uh, when you describe the canoe and the paddle is that the, the depth of the stroke has to be constant for staff as it ref that reflects the common commitment level of everybody involved right and the bottom line is that there there really can't be just any passengers not paddling and and there really can't be anyone paddling in the other direction or the plan just ends up going in circles absolutely so once again the, the width of the paddles is going to vary considerably 
But everybody's got to be digging in and sweating and getting that uh, paddle down to the same depth. You're absolutely right. That got commitment is key, and that is an absolute non-negotiable. Well, a culture of accountability, once again, is, is the ultimate goal. And I found it really... It, it, do, it doesn't come from top down. You can't impose accountability uh, as far as having it long term. It ultimately has to be generated by what, what I would call, Jack, collective peer pressure. Right, Jamie. And this, and, and this leads us nicely into our the third point uh, in engaging everyone is that impact on overall staff. So we've talked and not in a negative way with dealing with slow adapters of any sort is, is going to absolutely and permanently impact overall staff equilibrium one way or the other. You raise an excellent point. And I think we really have to consider that as principles that before we kind of address slow adapters, who may be slow adapters for a litany of different reasons, but the minute we kind of take that first step in that direction, you're right, Jack, things have, quote, permanently changed. And in some ways, the changes will be kind of obvious to us at the time. But boy, oh boy, we've both learned that sometimes the changes, you know, maybe take weeks or months to really manifest themselves. Right. And you look back on them and, and, and reflect on them and say, yes, things have changed on staff because of this situation or that situation. And I mean, change isn't necessarily a bad thing. No. It can be a very good thing, but I just, just we have to be aware of the whole change, you know, concept. Right. So staff who are genuinely hesitant, like they're going to be seen as um, victims by some colleagues if the the principal's demands seem unreasonable. Yet some other staff, however, will silently applaud the principal for making everyone accountable. That's the equity piece that that comes through there. You're right, and that's kind of the first camp. People who are, are really putting in their very best effort day after day, but for a variety of reasons are, are uh, really having a, a slow go in terms of really buying into the plan. I guess at the other end of the continuum would be the people I'd refer to as deliberate resistors. And the reality is they will also have some supporters right on staff. Um, and but they become really, therefore, so important uh, in terms of getting on board because them buying in really has two major benefits. They may eventually uh, become impactful leaders on staff. As mentioned earlier, they often have excellent ideas and a different perspective. And it just hasn't been, it's been kind of untapped in many cases for years and years and years. But once they feel included and valued, boy, they often like really step way up. But at the very least, even if that's not necessarily the case, it's really important that, once again, the other staff who are very much watching and listening to this process, let's not kid ourselves, mm -hmm. it's important that they see that everyone is going to be held accountable uh, for the school plan. So then, when we kind of get right down to the fundamental issue, Jack, the issue for principals, and, uh, and all principals face this issue at different times, that's just reality, but the whole kind of fundamental question of, all right, in, in terms of staff and getting buy-in, when should I go toe-to-toe -to -toe versus when should I let it be? Well, Jamie, that's a, that's a great question. And in reality, the answer to that is, is, is not nearly, it's not nearly so binary. It's not the two choices. Those, to me, I look, those are like opposite ends of the continuum. So letting it go 
it is, is an inexcusable fundamental abandonment of, of our duties as, as principals and leaders uh, and our moral imperative. But going toe-to-toe is also, at the other end, almost always a lose-lose proposition. No, you're, no, you're so right. I mean, we, we can't just turn a blind eye. We, we, we frankly are just neglecting our, our duties, if that's the case. But on the other hand, this toe-to-toe, boy, I'd really proceed with great caution. This, this, this notion of, quote, playing the heavy and getting into yeah, but, and thou shouts, thou shalt, excuse me. Well, it, it begs the question, what is going to be the ultimate consequence for someone not complying? And that's where principals have to realize, and it's sometimes a bitter pill to swallow, but just realize that we have very, very shallow toolboxes. There's not really a lot of things in there to kind of quote unquote, force someone to kind of get on board. Uh, the reality is uh, non-compliant staff are likely going nowhere. And if they really withdraw and say, forget it, then the bottom line is they'll just wait you out. They have been at the school for maybe a year, like years or decades, frankly, before you arrived, and they'll be there years after you leave. And this whole process of going toe-to-toe with them, it, it will likely, well, I think more than likely, it will very likely over time contaminate the greater staff to varying degrees. And to me, Jack, what it really does, it starts opening up sores or wounds that really never heal and frankly can become very infectious. Right, It can that resentment can be harbored, Jamie, for sure. And I think what I'm hearing when, when I listen to you and those ideas is that principals need to seek a middle ground between the two extremes, that everyone on your staff is on this continuum. They, they all have their different concerns but, and, and needs and, and uh, entry points into the school plan and getting it done. But we need to meet them in a sense of where they are and bring them, them forward. And this is where our goal is to see and acknowledge incremental growth in all staff. Um, and celebrate that, you know, and, and, and this whole process to us, I think, is the essence of school leadership. And it all comes back, as we've said now for the last several months, it all comes back to treating people respectfully at all times. And bottom line, positive and productive principles, they always lead by the power of example rather than by the example of power. I can take no credit for the phraseology I just shared, Jack. It's certainly not a Bricker original, but I love it because it is so true. We lead by the power of example. We don't simply default to the example of power. Yeah, I, I like that, Jamie, because I, I've often thought that, you know, we don't always know when you talk about that power of example in the busyness of your day, when you're being watched you know you are being watched but your example goes a long way and you may not even realize it in the moment you know that so the leader needs to always keep in mind that all staff members are at different spots across a wide continuum as we've said and and our job is to facilitate growth for everyone it may be in smaller increments for some people than others but in doing so they you know principals have to constantly offer that appropriate balance of pressure and accountability and support and understanding. Excellent point. And as you know, Jack, throughout principals' careers, 
countless times just trying try, try to find really that elusive, perfect, perfect balance of the pressure and support, kind of, I call it the teeter-totter. You're right. That is something that principals always need to strive to attain in their interactions with each and every staff member, frankly. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. And a reminder that once again, if you have any questions or comments, please email us at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other school leaders and a reminder to follow us on Spotify and Google Podcast. And we look forward to connecting with you again in two weeks on Matters of Principle.